Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, y'all? Welcome back in to another SSPN Live. As you can see by Ethan's face, that's a little bit of the mood whenever it comes to the Spurs' result tonight. But despite that, we're here, and we see you got 80 y'all in here on the late night uh, stream tonight. It's already 11.52, so it's basically already midnight, midnight, so we appreciate you guys being in here. Um, we already got some comments, people talking about the game, so let's just get straight into this thing, let the chat go wild. Uh, starting off, Ethan, who's your offensive MVP for the game tonight against the Clippers? If you have anybody else, you're on crack, honestly. It's got to be DeJounte Murray. I mean, just looking at the box score, it's pretty obvious. 26 points, 9 assists, 12 boards. He did everything you could possibly want offensively. Once again, it was clear when he's not on the court, it's a different team. He just has so much of an impact. I know he kind of missed a few shots down the stretch, but nobody was really hitting shots down the stretch, to be fair. Um, But, you know, you couldn't have asked for much more from DeJounte as far as offensive ball goes. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at his total box score, almost another triple-double tonight, 12 boards, and the offensive boards tonight, um, well, he only had two, but I really remember (laughs) those two, because I was going to say, but really, like, late in that fourth quarter, I remember him jumping up and getting those, so, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that was just on the defensive end, now that I'm thinking about it, but he had 10 on the defensive end tonight, so it was definitely a factor there. Uh, His passing... I feel like it's just getting better and better with every game that he continues to play. And then, of course, uh, our guy dropped 26 tonight. Even when, you know, he only shoots 50%, we say only, right? But goes 12 for 21, you know that that's usually going to be a good night for DeJounte now. Um, He's just becoming more and more consistent. He's really had that one off night against the Thunder, and then the rest of the year he's been doing stuff like this. So he's the offensive MVP again tonight. But anyways, moving on to the other side of the floor, we've got our defensive MVP, and I'm just going to keep it real with you, Ethan. Uh, Our names are the same, which I'm realizing right now, but then also uh, DeJounte Murray, and if y'all don't know what I'm referring to, you can see on the screen, at least for me, it says Judy on both sides. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and change Ethan's name to what it should be, but DeJounte is also my defensive MVP. I mean, we saw the steals, his pickpocket moves are just so cold at this point. We know this. He's been doing this for years, but now he's doing it at a consistent level, Um, and he continued to do that tonight. So the one thing that despite uh, all the stuff that we're going to talk about with unfortunate another loss for the Spurs here tonight, the one thing that is for certain is that DeJounte Murray uh, is playing at an all-star level, like our man F. Nico says right here. and yeah, I mean, he it feels like he's getting close to a triple-double every night. And I got to say, Ethan, you just asked in the offseason that, hey, if DeJounte can just up his stats, you know, three more, it'd be 27-7. and seven. And that's around where he's at every night, man. And when you're getting close to a triple-double every night, you really can't ask for much more from your point guard. 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, he's definitely in that conversation as far as All-Star goes. Most definitely in the most improved player uh, conversation as well for the season. But he's got my defensive player of the game award as well, Jew. Just, just everything you said, the three steals. But if you watch the second half of the second quarter, it was one of the most dominant defensive performances I've ever seen from DeJounte Murray. Like the Clippers could barely get the ball across half court. He was all over Paul George, Reggie Jackson. I don't care who had the ball. He was all over him. And, you know, unfortunately the Clippers made that adjustment going into the second half and kind of got the ball away from him. Um, but if the ball was close to DJ, the odds of him <laughs> ending up with it were, were pretty significant. Um, everyone else probably played pretty poorly defensively. So it's gotta be DeJounte Murray. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that little stretch where you said it was, you know, some of the best basketball you've ever seen from him. I got a text from our guy, Drew King, who is in the chat right now. We appreciate you. And he was saying that that was the best game that he was like, this might be one of DeJounte's best games like ever if he keeps this up. So obviously slowed down a little bit in the second half. But I still yeah. feel like it was an improvement from last year where he would just like completely disappear the next half where even where he only got six points, like DeJounte was on the floor contributing for that mm -hmm. second half. You noticed him for sure. So... DeJounte, once again, just taking all the Spurs awards here on SSPN. I mean, he's already got a jersey in the back. He's the only guy from the new crew. We're just, we're just going to give him everything over here. But anyways, uh, let's talk about somebody else other than DeJounte Murray, and that is the unsung hero tonight. You know, looking at the box score, I had some people written down. We talked about it before, but now I'm realizing there might be some other people. Who do you have on this, Ethan? I have Derek White. Yes, that was who I felt like I forgot. So please talk about him. Derek White had probably his best game of the season tonight, despite the loss. It's, it's, at least if you go by the box score, having 19 points, three boards, three assists, on an efficient night shooting. I know he only went one for four from the best three-point line. Night. Yes, definitely. Offensively, he was he was there. And that's really what we've been asking from him. Defensively, he's been there the whole year. It's just as far as scoring the ball goes, he's been pretty absent. And I felt like he was significantly more aggressive tonight as far as getting to the rim he didn't seem as hesitant to shoot mid-range jumpers or the three-point ball either it seemed like he was you know tr trying to make an effort to get more involved and a little bit less passive um as far as that goes um, so i was very impressed with Derek white obviously it didn't translate into a win uh, but to realize that Devin Vassell is not stepping up offensively, really. Lonnie's not there offensively. I need to push myself and score more. He saw that. He took the opportunity, and he succeeded in that category. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that this comment right here doesn't have anything to do with what you're saying, but just staying on Derek White, um, you know, tough, tough. Uh, it's been a tough season for him. And still kind of a tough night for him because I feel like still there were, you know, you have this night, but then you don't get the win. Mm. But the other thing that I'll still say on Derek, while this was his best night of the year, he still takes like some just some like unwarranted shots. That's just the best way that I can describe him. Like mm -hmm. he he forces them up a little bit. It's not like he can't make them. It's just like they're not the best time to take them or yeah. there'll be times where he'll pull up for a three just immediately when you could have an extra pass. Keep going. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about though. You're, you're talking about the fourth quarter shot when like we were, we were kind of getting it closer as uh, closing the gap and he took like a weird turnaround, like 15. Yeah. Almost yeah, like a push like shot. That. And it was yeah. guarded by, I think what's his name? Um, 
Paul George. It was, it was just like a really poor decision. I think it was actually Isaiah Hartenstein. I don't oh, know. was it really? Maybe I not. Maybe not, actually. I might be tripping there. But anyways. Yeah, it was definitely not a perfect game, but it was a step in the right direction. No, absolutely. It's still, like you said, it, I mean, statistically, it's his highest scoring night of the year. Um, and really offensively, it was probably his best game of the year, uh, other than that magic game to start. So I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying that I guess there's yeah. still some things like we're not saying Derek's fixed in this one game. We're just saying like, Hey, uh, is this is a good sign a step in the right direction. Um, mm-hmm. but we're still going to need to see some improvements here because like, these are things that, you know, I felt like we didn't see out of Derek, but I think that there's a lot of things that we didn't see out of these guys. And this is kind of a growing theme that I'm realizing this season, watching the team is that these guys, you know, they're not, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan, Patty Gay, uh, or Patty Gay, uh-huh. <laughs> Patty Mills, Rudy Gay. They're not, you know, for all of the things that we complained about about those guys, they hid and masked a lot of the young, youthful stuff that happens uh, when you have a roster like this, regardless of how talented you are. And we're just realizing some of that this year. So hopefully they can continue to improve upon it. Um, and Derek can, you know, kind of just be that solid, you know, um, reined in player who's not going to do anything crazy won't take you know just makes high iq plays because that's really what i felt like he was in that denver series three years ago i know i always go back to it but i just want to see that Derek again i want to i want to see playoff Derek again we haven't seen him <laughs> since all we've got is bubble Derek, and that's weak we need playoff Derek. um the bubble will never happen again hopefully <laughs> so anyways Let's move on to some uh, more topics kind of overall and get what you have to say, Ethan. What are some things that, of the few positives that we have tonight, uh, what do you got? Uh, There were very few, but one of them that I saw, we were not turning the ball over more than our opponent, which is a good sign from a young team. That's been kind of a, I know we aren't like, I think we're only fit, we're fifth as far as turnovers go, but it seems like because we're so young, that always kills us in the worst times as we're turning the ball over when we're almost like about to close the gap. Um, and at least those numbers are, are starting to, you know, fall a little bit. Um, that's really all I got. I mean, DeJounte was a huge positive, And other than that, there's really not much to go on, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I had written down, let's see, what did I have written down? Uh, Keldon's jump shot. You know, that's, right. that's the main thing that we've really noticed. That's kind of not just this game, but, you know, other games. But I like that he started off slow and then came back and kind of got in rhythm late. And that last shot was forced to at the end of the game. I don't really count that. I feel like it was really more of a two or two for three night for him. Um, and it seems like that there is just a little bit tweak in that elbow. Um, ever since that Lakers game. So I'm sure that this is just something that him and Chip England have been continuing to work on, just like we saw with DeJounte. Um, but right now, it seems like Keldon has a little bit even more potential uh, than DeJounte had in year two, whenever it comes from him getting hot from the free throw line and just the look of his shot and all that. So hopefully he can continue to do that because that would be just huge to add to Keldon's game. Um, and just to kind of get into some things that the Spurs can work on and fix and or try to fix moving forward, right? Which is our next topic here at the end of post game. Is I think that Keldon Johnson just needs to be involved way more. Like, why are there times where I feel like he's just standing around? He's just I I, I didn't really have this realization until watching this game. I was like, dude, like Keldon Johnson is one of the most talented players on the floor. Like, and we're not even like this is the only dude on the team who has any Olympic experience, and like he just hasn't even really been 
like a main factor this year. And it's interesting because, you know, you could be like, oh, well, that's pop, pop, pop. But then I'm watching the Clippers broadcast tonight on the stream, and they're literally talking about a conversation that they had with Pop today before the game because, you know, the broadcasters do that. They have their meetings with the white teams when they come in to learn about them. And the thing that Pop said was that Keldon was the thing that, like, held them together and was the difference in winning games last year. So you're telling me that that's the guy that you put on, you know, the the Team USA that you're the coach of? He's your handpicked guy? You're even telling people this the night of the game? and he's still not getting involved in the offense like what is this i'm not trying to but look look i got a little i got a little emotional there because we we know i love my spurs but at the same time like i'm not saying fire pop i'm not saying any of that i'm just saying that we we need to see a little bit more Keldon out there it it seems like he's a big part of our future and it feels like you know the spurs have high hopes for him and feel like he could be a potential future all-star We've talked about that before. It seems like he's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle as far as the half-court offense goes. In transition, he's always been great. You know, he gets easy dunks, easy layups. That's where his his minutes, that's where his um, offense really shines. Uh, but as far as, like, you know, giving him the ball, letting him work, coming off of pick and rolls, he really doesn't get that many opportunities. And that could be, just to play devil's advocate, because teams are kind of realizing that he's kind of a, you know, a one-trick pony, if you will, if he doesn't go straight to the rack. You know, you kind of you'll settle for him taking jump shots at this point in his career. Um, I, but you know, that being said, I would still like to see him get a little more touches. Uh, but when Dejounte's playing as well as Dejounte is, it's kind of hard to take the ball out of his hand and give it to somebody else at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but, but I definitely hear where you're coming from. Um, we're on yeah, the improved topic, right? Yeah. What What are some things that you had that we've improved on? Uh, or no, no, or that we that need we could, to improve. Yeah, on. that's yes. right. That's right. Excuse me. Um, we need to improve. I think this will just come. I don't know why we shot so poorly tonight, but pretty much everybody just shot really bad from the three point line, especially our bench. Literally nobody on our bench. Made, Other than Kelton, ironically, right? Yeah, Kelton. <laughs> Kelton went to four. He was the only one above. Let's see, fifty percent. No, DJ was fifty percent, but he went one for two. So it's a little a little different yeah but we were 22.7 from three-point land as a team that's just not gonna cut it um we have to get better from there especially doug mcdermott you know we brought him here to hit threes and tonight he only had one it seems like doug does way better when he's being contested than he does when he's wide open like the <laughs> yeah, one i know that that is weird yeah the one shot he hit tonight was like the dude was right under his feet hand in his face and he drilled it and he missed three like wide open walking into it transition threes and it's like man i just wish you would hit those i know he's a three-point shooter that's what he does he'll get back into rhythm it's hard to criticize that um but I mean, if he was on tonight that really would have could have been the difference um same goes for lonnie walker and devin vassell who were struggling to find buckets as well um, and one thing that I think will improve our bench unit, and you can disagree with me if you want, Jude, <sighs> Bryn Forbes, he just, he has to be, he, he has can't to be, be the, stopped. <laughs> yeah, he has to be stopped. This guy, I love Bryn <laughs> Forbes. I think he can be valuable, but at this point, On a with Giannis Antetokounmpo led team <laughs> at the, at this point, it's just, it's so cringe when I see him catch oh. the ball and teams know how to defend him, just swarm him. Don't let him shoot. And then as soon as he dribbles, he's going to kick the ball or he's going to you know lose the ball or throw it's it so away. Sad. 
And it's just because he's small, and that's not what he does. He's a three-point shooter, but he gets no space. Because why would you leave him? We don't have anybody that's drawing two, really, off the bench. So in my opinion, a way we can improve is to sideline Bryn, for now at least, put in Trey Jones, because he showed some promise coming in, at least in that second half of that second quarter, or first half of the second quarter, excuse me. He got six quick points. He looks good in transition. He's a more natural playmaker. He's better with the ball handling. He's a taller bigger guard that can defend a little bit better than Bryn Forbes at this point. Not as good of a shooter, but we know that. We realize that. But that's really not what we need at this point because Bryn's not hitting shots anyway, um, at least off the bench. So I think just giving Trey Jones the keys, letting him be the Bryn Forbes role and letting Bryn kind of get some you know, pocket minutes here and there if we need a three or if we're really up by a lot and we're just trying to like, you know, who knows? But at this point, Trey Jones needs to get the consistent minutes, whereas Bryn needs to be the guy in Trey Jones' current role, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I love this comment right here because uh, the person that I also had um, as an unsung hero in this game today, and I don't even know if I mentioned this, uh, was Trey Jones just because of the way that he was cutting tonight. We saw mm-hmm. that a little bit early in the year with uh, some Thad Young connections with him and Thad uh, and then tonight, we got to see it with DeJounte twice. He did get beat and cooked by yeah. our man Reggie Jackson um, tonight. But still, he put up much more of a fight than Bryn would have against him. And look, that was just a welcome to the NBA moment. I was talking with Ethan. I had to like rein myself in a little bit and remember that Reggie Jackson was like being clutch in the playoffs in like 2013 with the Russell Westbrook Kevin Durant Thunder and be like hey this is Trey Jones's like first mistake and it's against that guy who's been doing this for like the better path of the past decade so I just had to rein myself in there and he and you know look Reggie Jackson took over the entire game tonight so you can't just put it on Bryn um, or not Bryn, excuse me, on Trey Jones. We definitely can put it on Bryn, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Sorry, Bryn. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that, that contract is short. I think that Pop just signed him in because he knows he's somebody who knows the system and he can plug and play him if the young guys are trifling. But yeah. uh, as we're seeing tonight um, with that lineup, that Trey Jones, Lonnie, Thad Bryn lineup that was terrible and y'all were talking about that earlier and I completely agreed I feel like that's when the game completely turned but I don't think that that was necessarily just because of Trey Jones and I agree with you Ethan I think that he's still like much better than Bryn Forbes he's honestly more effective you know running around the floor because he finds more open baskets to cut to where with Mm -hmm. Bryn it's like he's only running to the three-point line and everybody's already knowing that that's where he's going you're not going to have that with Trey Jones Mm -hmm. Um, and the thing is I don't think Trey Jones has made one yet this year but if you watch his shot he's a guy who can make an open three it's not like he's complete you know like he's made a few he's not Shaq you know (laughs) out Mm -hmm. there like Trey Jones can still make an open shot so there's just I there's no like you don't lose anything like Trey Jones is six three now like he's literally bigger than him like there's no point of not playing him there mm-hmm. like and I don't even mind running him at that kind of two role where Dejounte's dishing him passes like that's still going to be better than Bryn at this point so I'm with you there I'm with you there the good news is Bryn's contract is really tradable um, and same with a guy like that he's young. Uh, but we'll we'll have to see with a lot of that. I know I'm kind of still on the the Jock Landale 
Zach Collins train um, to kind of get those guys back because it's just unfortunate for Thad right now playing center being six eight six seven. It's just yeah. like we even saw. It, it's tough to see him like get outworked by like Isaiah Hartenstein. And look, Isaiah Hartenstein looks like he's developing into a good player, but still, it was like, man, this dude's like what fourteen years in the league, and he's just having to like grind right now against this mm. dude who's like in his yep. first year, like legit in a legit role on a team and it was just like oh it's tough to watch but okay some other things though to get back on topic and i'm gonna swing it to you okay so the other thing i had written down and this is something that south tex was talking about as well our switches and our rotations like us running into each other they're just they're just so so consistently bad (laughs) Like, yeah, like, I had that written I don't down wanna, too. I don't want to shit on these guys. Like, I really don't. But it's just, it, it's yeah. tough to watch. And I know that, like, if I was in the same situation, I'd be doing even worse. Like, just to say that, right? But when you're seeing that, it's it's tough. And I feel like it's mainly from the post. But there's still some times where I'm seeing, like, Derek not knowing where he's supposed to be at. I mean, I'm seeing, yeah. I don't really ever see it from DeJounte. I don't really ever see it from DeJounte. I don't see it too much from Keldon. But everybody else who fills in, like Lonnie gets lost a lot, of course. We already knew this. Um, but uh, you, you kind of get the point there. there. There's just guys who they're not switching. Like, And then we, we consistently, every game, we have a possession where it's a one-on-one between Drew Eubanks and like some NBA all-star perimeter guard, whether it's Luka Doncic or Paul George. And it's like you're expecting something other than a step back three or for those guys to do a crossover and beat them off the dribble. It's like, no, when you have the Thaddeus Young or Drew Eubanks on those guys, you got to do help defense. Like, it's tough. Yeah. Or it's well, a guaranteed bucket. But yeah, It's a couple things. One, our pick and roll defense is just atrocious, especially if you have a big guy that's rolling to the rim. I look, they're Chris learning how to Zingas. play. They're learning how to play. They're not. This isn't an testament to their game. Yeah. I'm not a coach and I'm not a basketball expert, but surely there's a way to stop a pick and roll from working every single time. Because Anthony Davis, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, Mo Bamba, any big that has an ounce of athleticism has cooked us on pick and rolls. And I, I mean, like I said, I don't know the solution, but there has to be one because we get beat every single time. And the switches along the perimeter on dribble handoffs where we get matchups that are just unfavorable, I'm not sure how to fix that other than if you just fight over or under the screen a little bit harder. And I don't know if Pop is just saying switch everything Screw it. I think like, that's what he's got to be saying. I, I I assume so, and I don't know why he would do that other yeah. than maybe it's trying to build, you know. He a, sees Paulo Banchero. I guess. I, I, I don't understand the logic from it, and I'm not going to try and challenge him because he's clearly the greatest coach ever, but I wish he would explain it. I wish somebody would ask him in the media just because I want to know his answer. Why are we continuing? He'll he'll get so upset. Yes, and then you're never going to have respect from him in a press conference ever again. But it's a valid question. Like, I I mean, I love him, but that's a valid question because it's consistently getting us in trouble. And I wish I knew how to do it. And, And the other note is like, it wouldn't be an issue, but the teams we've been playing because it, it wasn't an issue against the Magic, really, as, as far as like it, it wasn't an issue yeah. against like the Pistons. If you have an all-star level, like a star player 
Luka Doncic, a Bradley Beal, Paul George, anyone that's making an all-star team, you're good. we're going to lose because they can beat any player one-on-one. And our help defense is bad, like you said, anyway. So as soon as we rotate or the double comes, that's when we just get absolutely hammered because they're going to kick it out to the open man. The ball's going to swing and we're going to get lost because we're young and because we don't we don't have the chemistry yet. Don't we don't have the communication it, yeah. yet. So it's it's bound to happen. Um, Ethan ain't afraid of pop. Thank you, Laura. I'm I'm probably would be if I was actually in the conference. But um, right, <laughs> yeah, if I was there, I probably wouldn't ask him either. Oh, but boy. it's a valid question. But yeah, I mean, this is just going to happen, especially since we don't have an all-star level player. And like you said, Dejounte Murray is really the only one that is consistently in the right place at the right time. And that's just you know learning to play together and learning how to talk to each other and communicate. And I don't know. I mean, that's all I can say. That's something that yeah, that develops over time, Mm -hmm. right? And but I think that that's a great point. I think that gives like a lot of people probably some perspective. It it makes sense why it's happening. It's just. I think it's frustrating more when you're watching like because it just looks like they don't know where they need to be. Like it's not like they don't have the athletic ability to be in the place Mm -hmm. and guard the person that they're supposed to guard. And it's like sometimes they're like so busy getting to their spot or where they think they're supposed to be that it leaves a wide open lane. We saw that with Drew a couple times tonight, but I saw that with multiple other players. And, you know, the, uh, it might get hyped up for, you know, Drew because he's in the paint. So that leads those open paint lanes. But there's other lanes that get open because dudes don't know where they're going to be. No. So it's a whole thing. The only person who really knows where they're supposed to be is DeJounte. And yeah. he's the one who's been playing the longest. So I don't want to give these guys an excuse either, Jude. But if I were on the team, and I don't, I, you can you can give your perspective too. If I was switching every time they either like dribble handoff or set a pick and roll, I'd get lost too, like because they they, yeah. they they know we're not good no. at it, so they just yeah. do it over and over and over again. And by the end of the play, you're like, I don't remember where I'm supposed to be. Am I dropping low? Because Drew, Drew's yelling, you know, get low, get low, get low. I don't know if he's talking to me or he's talking over there. Like it, by the end of the play, we're just all lost. And, and like you said, we're all looking at each other, like pointing, like, was that you? Was that me? Why is the la- why is nobody in the paint? Yeah. I don't. What happened? And it's like, well, there you go. That's just gonna happen every time. Yeah. Yep. Completely agree. Awesome analysis, Ethan. I got two more things and then we'll wrap this late night SSPN recap up. Um, Guys got to catch the ball. Like I've been saying this for forever, but our hands rating needs to get up, man. Like the entire roster. I don't know what it is, why we can't like this is probably coinciding with the fact that everybody's like just trying to get to their spot, even on offense. Right. And they don't even you know, they're not anticipating passes when they're cutting. It just doesn't make sense. Like, that's the whole point of cutting. Like, yeah. Like, but but it's whatever. It's it's all good. Um, and then we've got offensive sets. So at the end of the game, we ran a set for Keldon where we got him on the block and he went up and got that bucket. He missed the first one, got the second board because he's Keldon, you know, yelled, hey! And then you know went up for the layup, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was butchered. It, it's more. It's much more. It's much more strong and like you know mean. Not 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 like what I just did. But regardless, moving on. Um, that was like an actual offensive, like diverse offensive play call for a specific player that matches his skill set. 
why aren't we seeing that more often? Like that, I just I would like to see more of that, please. Like that would be awesome. Um, like I said, don't have an explanation for it, and then everybody just needs to catch the ball. Those are my two final requests. Um, you know, get Doug running off screens more. Get Keldon in the post more like that, where it's a nice little one-on-one with him and Amir Coffee or somebody. Um, run some plays for Dejounte. I don't know, but I just want to see more of that and less of like, all right, let's just pass it around until somebody finds a look that they like. And most of the time when that happens, like mid cut to the basket, they realize they don't like the look in the paint because everybody knows that they're just a drive and kick offense. And then they kick outside and it's like, people know their passings and the ball gets stolen. (sighs) They just got to commit Ethan. They got to commit. They can't go like halfway. Yeah. It's like, they don't want to make a mistake. So I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. They're learning though. They're learning though. There's good things. They're talented. We don't want to be too negative. Unfortunately, I think this is going to be the norm um, (laughs) for this season at least. Yep. Yep. I've learned that. I've realized that. I've come, you know, had my whole ceremony and everything. (laughs) It's a deep thing for me. I'm sure it was, dude. You're a very deep guy. (laughs) Thank you. Pause. Um, Anyway, (laughs) uh, I think it will help a lot, though, once we get Jakob Pertl back and – like you said, Zach Collins, maybe in like yeah. December or January, whenever he decides to come back, because then our bench unit will actually have some size. Other we'll, have an elite Young. Defender. we'll have an elite defender on the floor. Jakob Pertl will help a tremendous <laughs> amount, especially yeah. with I know he's he's going to get cooked by guards as well, but he's probably a much better rotator and, you know, intellectual defender than Drew Eubanks is, yeah. unfortunately, at that center spot. Um Tanner, Ayo, yeah, yes, you heard me right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I'm not saying that we're going to all of a sudden become a championship caliber team once those guys come back, but it will definitely help ease we'll the pain. We'll get some more W's. Yes, I really will. Yeah, the, and will it'll capitalize. help us, you know. <laughs> I was about to make a comparison. I'm not going to make it, but look, you, you need a little something, something to get you through the bad times sometimes. That's all mm. I'll say. Yes. And you know, that those Zach Collins and jo- and Jakob Pertle, I was about to say Jock Lando. Ja- I wish I hope we get some Jock Lando minutes, but those Zach Collins and Jakob Pertle minutes are gonna be that little something something for us and we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit more dubs there, you know, hopefully to end the season off. Not anything crazy, but you know, just something to ease our pain. Side note that we didn't mention that was a huge proponent of why we lost. We were out rebounded fifty two to forty. So. It's nice. It, look, we're gonna get we're gonna get dudes back who are seven foot and six eleven. It's gonna yes. be good. All right. Yes. Well, y'all, we appreciate you guys staying in for this late night edition of SSPN. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the cha- subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Um, you can follow Ethan and I on Twitter at Ethan underscore Quintero and at Jude McLaren. Um, And then you can also catch us on Spurs Tube TV as well. We appreciate you guys so much. Uh, Y'all are the real ones. The fact that there was that many of you in here tonight on a midnight stream. Y'all are just the OGs. Real ones know. Catch us uh, soon. Oh, we'll have another clip out tomorrow as well. Talking about putting potentially putting Devin in the starting lineup. I know we didn't have the greatest game tonight. We didn't really talk about him. But, you know, everybody has a, a cold night, I'm pretty sure. That doesn't change the fact that Devin Vestel is still a really solid defender and a really solid three-point shooter. So be on the lookout for that, and we'll see you guys in the next one.